Welcome back to the Tao Te Ching podcast. This is Shu Li, your host, and we'll be diving into chapter 10 tonight. Chapter 10, Di Shi Zhang in Mandarin. And this is proving to be quite a challenging chapter. It's quite a long one as well compared to the last one. This is about double the length of chapter 9. So let's get straight into it. Chapter 10 begins in the English with a question. Body and soul are one, but can they avoid separation? In the original text, I'll read it for you. It says, Zai Ying Po Bao Yi Neng Wu Li Hu Let's have a look at this question. In the original text, it says Zai Ying. Zai Ying is not the conventional term for body, but it has the meaning of body. Zai by itself means to carry or hold. And camp, uh, the second word means camp or uh, barracks, the army barracks. So Zai Ying gives the picture of a body, a container that is holding something. Po is the word for soul, and Bao is the word for embrace or hold, and Yi is the word for one. So essentially it's saying this camp or this barracks that holds, which is the body, and the soul, which is made out of two other characters. The first one, which is used as a radical on the left-hand side of this character, poor, which is the word for white, the color white, and the second character here, which is gui, which is the word for ghost. So, these two characters put together forms the word poor, and it is not saying a white ghost right, is your soul. It is saying the whiteness is pertaining to like a clean slate. Right? The whiteness is pertaining to the purity, uh, the transcendence, the clarity, the transparency, the transparency of this element, which is your soul, which is your ghost. Right, so 
this your body, the container, the physical container, and your soul, uh, the element that this container contains within it, Bao Yi, they are one. They embrace the one, you could say. Right? Now, these two elements complement one another and work together. And it's asking the question, so these two elements, the body and the soul, are one. Then it goes on to say, can they avoid separation? Even though they're one, can they avoid being separated? All right? Which means which means able to be. Which means to not have. Li, which is separation or to leave something behind. And hu, which is a question asking that. Is it able to be separated? Is it able to avoid separation? Right. So we know that the body and the soul are one. They're contained in one. We only see when we look at a body, we only see one element. So we know they are together. Then it asks the question, but can they avoid separation? And the answer is no. They cannot avoid separation. Because one day the body and the soul may very well be separated. Right? When we pass away from this world... When our physical bodies pass away and are buried into the ground, our soul will survive. Right? Whether you believe in a soul or not, that is besides the point of what the Tao Jing is saying. The Tao Jing is saying there are two elements here, body and a soul. They're one. Can they avoid separation? The answer is no. They cannot avoid separation because there is death, the death of the body. And once there is the death of the body, the soul will be left behind. The soul, the spirit, will still exist. All right? So what is it actually trying to say here? Is it really talking about body and soul? Do we really have to believe that there is body and soul? No, that is not the point of this question. The point of this question is trying to say there are these two different elements. They are different, quite different in quality. One's physical, one's spiritual, but yet they are one. They complement each other. They work together. Right? But even in being that one, can they then avoid separation? Is it that... Is it the, the, the fact that they will be together forever? No. One day, the body will die, and the soul 
will survive it. Okay, so they will not. They will not be together forever. Okay, they cannot avoid separation, and yet they cannot avoid being together. All right. So there are always both sides to the story. Two sides to the coin. Right. Never just one side to the story. Never just one side to the coin. If ever you're going to hear only one side of the story of any incident or situation, that's going to be lopsided. That's going to be, you could say, prejudiced towards that one side. Right? You're probably going to be missing some information. Because there are always, maybe at least two sides to the story. There are always two sides to the coin. And they are both different, but they complement each other. But yet, even while they complement each other, it doesn't mean that they cannot be separated. Alright. Now, we can interpret that in many ways, but we're going to flow on to the next question here which is similar in its logic but it paints a different example of what it wants to tell us moving on though concentrating on breathing exercises to be supple to be supple means to be gentle though concentrating on these breathing exercises to be gentle can you become as supple, as gentle as a baby? Can you? Okay, let's read the original text. It says, Zhuan qi, zhi rou, neng ru ying er hu. Okay, so Zhuan qi, in the original text, Zhuan means to focus, to concentrate. Qi means, I'm sure we've all, or a lot of people have heard of this term before, the Qi, which is uh, the word, it could mean gas, it could mean the spirit, right? It could mean many things. It could mean air, right? If you concentrate, you're breathing your air, your spirit, and you devote it to being gentle. Right? Devote it to be gentle. If you muster up your energy and you devote all of this to be gentle, are you able to be as gentle or as supple as a baby, though? All right? The answer can be no, right? Because a baby by nature is just supple and gentle. And us as adults, no matter how hard we try to be, as gentle, as supple as a baby, we may never be as gentle as a baby is. Because baby by nature is supple and gentle. So it's asking the question, though we try, right, 
to meditate and to concentrate and to devote our energy into trying to be supple and gentle as we can. But are we able to be as gentle as a baby? Which is, which by nature is going to be gentle. Right? Follows the same logic as the first question. Can they avoid separation? Now let's go to the third question. Following the same logic here. Painting a different story though. Though getting rid of your distracting thoughts for a deeper meditation, can you be devoid of blemish? Right. Let's uh, let's look at the original text. It says, "Di chu xuan lan, neng wu zi hu." Di this word means wash. Chu means to get rid of. Xuan means. It can mean many things, but uh, in this context, it means to get a deeper, more profound. And Xuan Lan, which means view, right? Lan means view or a vision, right? To see, right? So, washing all your thoughts away, meditate. For a clear meditative mindset, or to have a clear meditative mindset, but even in that attempt, are you going to be flawless? Are you going to be perfect? Can you avoid all flaws? Can you avoid all blemish? Can you be devoid of blemish? Is asking the question, and of course the answer is no. And even if we try to get rid of all our distracting thoughts and the thoughts of the world and the thoughts of greed, the thoughts of hatred, the thoughts of anger, jealousy, so on and so forth, and we try to, no matter how hard we try to push ourselves, push ourselves into a deeper state of meditation. We will never be devoid of blemish. We will still be imperfect people, right? So you can try. It's saying you can try all you want. You can try all you like. You can try till you're blue in the face. You can try till the cows come home. We are not going to be. Devoid of blemish. Is it? It's asking: Is it possible to be perfect? Pretty much. No, we already know that. We as human beings cannot be perfect according to whatever type of standard we want to put ourselves to. It's just getting us to realize our state of being, our natural state of being. That we're not 
we can push as hard as we can but we're not going to be perfect people all right it's getting us to accept this fact and moving on to the next question here if you are to love the people and govern a state can you avoid taking active action well can you this is talking about perhaps a government perhaps people who are in leadership they want to rule a country they want to reign as sovereigns they want to manage as uh, politicians senators they want to govern a state a kingdom a country an empire whatever it is if you are to love the people and you want to manage the country you want to be a leader can you avoid taking active action well the answer obviously is no that is the exact role of a leader, a, po a politician. Their role is to act, is to take action, is to do something about the problems, the issues that are incoming, that are at hand. I mean, as people, we expect them to help our country to develop to solve problems, so on and so forth. So they have to take active action. They cannot avoid it. Right? They cannot sit back and do nothing. And if they did sit back and do nothing, they would most probably be voted out. Or someone else would take their place. Right? Uh, in the original text here, it says, I mean... I mean, means to love the people. Zhiguo uh, means to govern the country. So, is it possible that you would not take any action? Right? Is it possible that no action be taken when, if you love the people and if you are managing a country? No, that is not possible. Is loving people or loving the people and governing the country always involves action, affirmative action, taking active action, all right? To help others to solve problems, so on and so forth. Let's go on to the next question. When the door of heaven opens or closes, can you remain inactive? as a female right in the original text Tianmen Kaihu Tianmen which means the door of heaven Kaihu which means open and close Neng Wu Zihu Oh sorry Neng Wei Zihu Neng Wei Zihu means are you able to be Neng Wei to able to be Zi here means the female. Who is just a question mark here? Asking the question. When the door of heaven opens or closes, can we remain inactive as a female? 
are we able to remain inactive? Now, I think here we are not able to remain inactive. Right? We are not able to remain passive. When the door of heaven opens or closes, we are always active. Right? If there is thunder, it causes us to be active. If there is rain, it causes us to be active. If there are floods, this is can be called acts of God, acts of nature, acts of heaven. When the door of heaven opens or closes, we are always active. We don't just sit there and do nothing because just recently there have been floods in Australia and people are busy out there. Rescue services are busy out there rescuing lives. Right? First is rescuing the lives. Getting into those areas, the flood affected areas and rescuing their lives. That's the first priority the the, the uh, rescue services have. And so we don't remain inactive. We are we are active and, and sometimes we are proactive. When the door of heaven opens or closes, whatever nature hits us with, we are active about it. So the answer again, can you remain inactive? The answer is no, we are not going to remain inactive. So there is a, a response here. There is a responsibility here, an action of responsibility. Uh, if you look at the word responsibility, it's made up of mostly two words, response and ability. So it's your ability to respond to something, and that's what responsibility is. So when there is an act of heaven, an earthquake, a natural disaster, for example, storms, flooding, tsunami, so on and so forth. When there is an act of heaven, when the door of heaven opens or closes, we do not remain inactive. We are very proactive in helping our fellow human beings. All right? And so there is a, a response here. There is a responsibility. You could say that that's a duty, a duty of human beings to help each other out. You can also say that that is our response to what nature is giving us or what nature is putting upon us. There is a, an act of nature and then there is a, a reaction or a, 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 an action on our, on our behalf which is reacting so uh, it's painting a picture that the universe and human beings are communicating with each other, right? It's not just human beings communicating with human beings. We are social beings. We need that. But it also paints a picture of nature and heaven communicating, in a sense, with human beings. Whether that is... Uh, heaven communicating with us on purpose or not 
there's no indication here. Obviously, it's not painting heaven as a person. It's not painting nature as a person, right? But heaven and nature are acting in a certain way, right? And we are reacting in a certain way. So we are playing, we are communicating somehow with the movements of heaven and of the universe. So there is interaction. And that is the main point here. There is interaction between these two forces here. So can we remain inactive? No, we cannot remain inactive. We must have a response, as we always do as human beings. We have a response. So the communication between us and the universe goes two ways. It goes two ways, hand in hand. It doesn't just go one way. Right? We don't get hit and then we just fall back, sit back, and completely give up. No, there is a reaction. All right. We are constantly reacting and responding to our environment. And that is, not to say that's a good or bad thing, but that is the way of nature. That, that's what the way of the Tao is as well. It's a picture of the way of the Tao. And we are constantly responding to each other, back and forth, back and forth. Never in any situation is it always going to be give, give, give. One party giving to the other, other party all the time. There is always a give and a take. Give and a take, give and a take. It's pointless just giving. Or if no one's taking from you, it's pointless just giving. Right? And if no one is... It's pointless just taking. If you're just going to be on the receiving end, taking, taking, taking from others and not giving back or not contributing back to society or to your family and or to yourself in some way, that doesn't complete the picture either. Right? So it's always going to be a giving and a taking, a taking and a giving. That completes the picture of nature. That completes the... The wonder of the world. That w that's what makes the world go round, and that's what makes it beautiful. The next question it's asking here, the last question in chapter ten, before it goes on to its next part, which does not have any questions. So is when your power of perception penetrates every corner, are you capable of knowing nothing? When your power of perception, when your power of understanding, or when your understanding increases and you become very wise, you become very aware when your understanding penetrates 
into every corner of this world, right? into every corner of science or every corner of knowledge or human knowledge. Are you capable of then knowing nothing? Obviously, the answer is no again. Right? The answer to all these questions are no. Right? What is it trying to say here? Let's go to the original text. It says, 明白四达. So, 明 means clear. 白 means white. But 明白 together means to be as clear as day, to have understanding. Sada, which means reaches the four corners of the earth uh, to have a, a very successful type of understanding, to have a very thorough type of understanding. When you have that, when we have that, and I think, I wouldn't say we know most of of what exists in this world as phenomena. I wouldn't say we know most of it. I'd say that what has been said before, the more we know, the more we know that we don't know. Right? The more we know, the less we know, to put it in other words. So, but when we know something, are we capable of then not knowing anything? This is what, this is what the question's asking. Are we able to not have knowledge of anything? So once we have knowledge, are we able to not have knowledge? Obviously not. Once we have knowledge, we have knowledge. We can't erase that knowledge. Right? Knowledge exists and will exist forever. Whatever we know, it will exist. But then the thing is, knowing nothing, that is also... A mystery in itself. Are we capable of knowing nothing? We we know so much, and yet sometimes I think we really do know nothing, because the knowledge that we have really leads us nowhere, or it leads to our self destruction. Right? We think with all the technology that we have. We should have by now made the world a much better place to live in. But yet at the same time, we suffer from, I guess, the curse of history, the curse to repeat history. So it seems like the more we know, the less we know. The more we know, the more we are uncertain about how our future will pan out. And that is, that is a great conundrum. 
that's the great challenge that we're facing here. I think the challenge of ourselves, really. Not the challenge of other people, but the challenge of ourselves. The question of the human race, the question of humanity. The question of knowledge itself. What is this knowledge leading us to? What is all this power of perception leading us to? What is this success leading us to? Is it leading us to uh, real glory? Real understanding? Real love? Real compassion? Real empathy? Or is it leading us to something like real destruction? Self-annihilation, hatred, greed, anger. What is this leading us to? So knowing nothing is really something I think that can also be painted as something positive because once you, if you don't know something, then you're less likely or you're not likely at all to perpetrate so-called evil, evil acts, right? The fact that people know things makes them in a way or leads them to want to do certain things, right? Like, for example, to, if I know that the apple is there, or if I know a certain food source or natural resources there, then and then nobody else knows about it, then I'd be inclined to keep that knowledge to myself. I'd be inclined to want to hoard that knowledge, hoard that resource. Uh, if some other person tries to steal that apple, steal that natural resource from me, I would definitely want to protect that for myself. So there you get conflict, you get problems that will, will perpetuate into the future through generations that may not be able to be solved because of the problem of hmm, revenge and ownership and knowledge. And this comes out of knowledge. So sometimes... It is better, perhaps, not to know. To know nothing. And then if we knew nothing, then probably we wouldn't go and perpetrate any so-called acts of evil or acts of, of uh, greed or acts of violence, perhaps. Now, let's move on to the next part of this chapter. Now, this is the chapter where it doesn't have any questions. And it has one, two, three, four, five lines of four characters per line. 
I will read the English verse. The English translation says, giving all things life and propagation without claiming to be their owner. So in the original it says, uh, this character means to give life, to have life, to be alive. Shengzhi means to give life to, to give birth to. Shu means to raise, like to raise a child. Zhi just means the thing. So it gives life to, to this thing, but it does not possess it. To not have, to not possess it. It gives life. It nurtures this life. It gives life, but it does not possess it. It does not own it. Right? That is ironic and contradictory in ways to our natural understanding of the world. Right? We give birth to, to a child. In a way, we do possess ownership of the child. If we raise a child, in a way, we do possess ownership of the child. The child bears our family surname. Okay? But the Tao Te Ching is saying nature in the grand scheme of things. The Tao. It gives life. It raises this life. It gives, but it does not possess. Right? It does not make demands on the these lives. Okay? So, it's able to live and let be. Right? It gives life to all things. And these things, they develop, they propagate. And they're able to be on their own. And nature does not claim them, does not own them, right? So, life is meant to be free. We're not meant to have people as slaves, to own people as slaves. Life has to have its own development. Every life has to be independent. Of course, it comes from another life. But when it has its own life, it is independent. And it can, it can independently move by itself. It has its own will, has its own body, has its own soul, has its own spirit. Right? And it can live with, even when the uh, person or the uh, life that is given it life 
dies. Right? Like uh, children, for example, children can outlive their parents, and usually do. Right? And then the children will have their own lives. Right? And they will propagate and have their own children. Right? The children then themselves do not require their parents to for for the continuation of their own lives and this is what it means by saying that it gives life but it does not claim to be their owner okay and this is the course of nature if you observe nature this is how it works and those who try to cling to what they've given birth to, try to own, try to control beyond that of what nature is, uh, nature is giving example to be, then you're going to have problems, right? Because Nature gives birth, but it does not claim to own. It does not really own it, so to speak. Let's go to the next line here. Benefiting them without claiming to be their benefactor. So, wei er bu shi. So, wei means it, it does something. But it does not rely on. Sure, means to rely on. Zhang, right. means it grows and it develops, but it does not dominate. Zai means dominate or to govern or to slaughter. Okay. So it grows, but it does not dominate. And then the last line, it says, and being their head without ruling them. Right, that's Zhang Er Bu Zai. So Zhang also means, not just to grow and develop, but Zhang also means to be their head, like to be their leader. Right? Zhang Bei, which means to be the elder, to be the leader. Zai, in this context, can mean rule. To dominate, to govern, to rule. Right? It is their, their head, it is their leader, but it doesn't rule them. It does not dominate them. Okay? So they all grow individually in nature. And they have their own will, they have their own willpower they have their own directions they have their own roles they know what they're doing all right all these separate entities are independent entities and they know what they're doing the last line here all these are called the most intrinsic du right here is virtue It's the last line here in the classical text, 
是谓玄德。是谓, this is called, all these are called ways, means called 玄, that word again, which means mysterious. Now, 玄德, 玄 and 德 are two separate words, but they're put together here to mean something. Right, and they both, the shen reinforces the du. Okay. Now, let's look at these two words separately and analyze them. Because they're very interesting terms. And they are, I think, the crux of this chapter right here. Are in these two words. These two words summarize the meaning of this whole chapter here. Chapter 10. So, Xuan, in the classical meaning, means a whole variety of things. Right? The most common one, it means mysterious. That's the most common translation in the English. But then, if you look at literal meanings, it could mean red and black right the colors of red and black together which refers to the color of the night sky Xuan refers to black as in the color of the night sky which means something that is that's where we get the mysterious from that it's dark that we can't exactly see a hundred percent of what's going on it's also red which is the very auspicious, the lucky color in Chinese culture, which refers to not necessarily blood, although it could refer to that, but it refers to something new, right? And it could have come from the blood because when a person gives birth, when a new baby is born, there is always blood. All right, then this blood doesn't signify death, like the death of uh, martyrs or soldiers. No, it signifies the blood at birth. It signifies life. It signifies something new. Okay, so Xuan is red. Don't take it as death. It's not. It doesn't symbolize death. It symbolizes life. And black, don't take that as death either. It symbolizes the color of the night sky. The, the partner of the light, which is the light that we see during the day. Okay, so we're playing with the opposites here. Okay, but they are not uh, exclusive of each other. They're inclusive and they complement each other. The red, the black, the light. Xuan uh, looks like, I mean, the character looks like even uh, a piece of silk. Right? Like, that radical actually is silk it symbolizes silk all right hanging 
out of the sky. So it's painting a picture, this pictograph, this character, this Chinese character, this Hanzi, this pictograph, even looks like a piece of silk hanging out of the sky. Okay? Hanging from the sky. Okay? This is a Shen is originally and literally a piece of silk hanging from the sky. Now, if that's not mysterious, I don't know what is. I don't know of any time when I've seen a piece of silk hanging from the sky. But this portrays something that is strange, weird, bizarre. That's why it's mysterious. Something that is beyond our comprehension. Something that we cannot see clearly. Something that is perhaps ambiguous. I mean, we can stare all night into the night sky. Sometimes we'll see stars. Sometimes we'll see nothing. Right? But we can definitely see the color black. We can definitely see darkness. That's what we see. That's probably all we see sometimes. If we didn't have any light. Alright? And so, Xuan, this character, is so profound. I mean, so many things. That it just becomes mysterious. And that's why the most common translation for this word is mysterious. But it is a lot more than just mysterious when we look at the backstory of what Xuan actually is. Right? The next word here, du, the most common translation for this word, du, is virtue. Now, virtue tends to go in one ear and out the other. It tends to fly by my mind. Because when I hear the word virtue, it could mean so many things that I don't know where to start. Or it could mean nothing at all. Because it's kind of an old-fashioned word. And we use morals. That could be more relatable, like moral character, uh, moral of the story, what we should be doing, something that is good, something that is virtuous is, is simply put as something that is good. Uh, now, if we look at this character, we study it, we analyze it, we see that there is a heart there, the character heart is there. Right, we, and when we have heart, we have also mind, because in Chinese, sin or the heart actually refers to the mind, as well as the heart, because in Chinese culture, heart and mind are together. Okay, it's not just I think. That's why in Chinese they hardly ever say I think, they say usually. 
I feel. Let's say, 我觉得, is feeling. I feel that this is something. And that's equivalent to the English, I think. In English, we use a lot of I think because we've been influenced by European philosophy, i.e., very especially that could refer to Descartes when he says, I think, therefore I am. Okay? And that started a revolution of the European tradition or the Western tradition of saying, or the habit of saying, I think. But in Chinese, in Chinese, it's much more common to say, I feel, 我觉得, okay, instead of I think. Okay, so this character, virtue, has something to do with the heart, okay? It's something to do with your heart. It's something to do with whether or not you are a kind person. Something to do with whether or not you have a moral character uh, this character also means favor and it also means power like virtuous power or, or virtuous capital capital which is a very abstract term not like uh, physical capital or real estate capital it's not in those terms. It's uh, mental capital, mental capacity, uh, spiritual nature, uh, spiritual character or moral character. All of these definitions and understandings and ideas and concepts can be summed up in the word virtue. Okay, When you, you look at virtue in that way, then it becomes more meaningful. So de means virtue in this way, in the moral character, in the heart, in your heart. What is your heart like? Do you have a kind heart or is it a cruel heart, for example? What is this type of power that is that lives within you? Is it the the type of power for virtue, or is it the type of power for cruelty, for example? So, this is saying, as a conclusion here, that all of these things, right, are embedded in these two words, the understanding and the experiencing of these two words. The mystery and the power of virtue. We need to understand that virtue and moral character and having a a good heart is sometimes and can sometimes be very mysterious. We cannot be judged from the outside.
certain acts that we do can be very mysterious and should be done, for example, secretly. When we give, when we want to give to people, it can be done secretly so as not to inflate our own ego. We do it because it is virtuous, because our character is moral. We don't do it to get favor. We don't do it to gain favor or to gain anything back to gain benefits or to gain achievements or to gain fame or glory for ourselves. So power is, true power here, is hidden. It is hidden in the mystery. It is hidden in the night sky, the darkness of the night sky. It is beyond, beyond, which is what Xuan is as well. It is beyond the judgment of people beyond what people see right when people look from the outside they might have certain presuppositions or mentalities for or against but when we act on the virtue of the Tao of the universe it is something that hangs like a piece of silk from the sky. It is a gift from heaven. Right? It comes to someone hanging from the sky as if they don't know where it comes from. So this help that other people are getting from us, they don't know where it comes from. They, it's as if they think it is from nature. That nature, the way, is helping them. And this is how people of the way, if we follow the Tao Te Ching, this is how our movements will flow. This is how we will be. The day, the do, this power, this virtuous power, this moral character, this heart of goodness, this heart of kindness, this power for good is intrinsic. It is within us. It comes out of us as a natural consequence. And with that, I'm going to leave it. That's all we have time for tonight. I thank you all for joining me on this very exciting exploration of the Tao Te Ching in general. And this episode, chapter 10, I invite you for the next episode, which is going to be in chapter 11. And I'm hoping to see you there metaphorically speaking, again.